Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Devika Girish. And I'm Quentin Crew. We're the editors of Film Comment. 2021 marks the birth centenary of Amos Vogel, the pioneering film programmer, author, and co-founder of the New York Film Festival. As part of its centenary celebrations this fall, the New York Film Festival inaugurated the Amos Vogel Lecture, to be delivered annually by an artist or thinker who embodies the spirit of Vogel cinephilia and brings it into conversation with the present and future of cinema. For the first edition, New York Film Festival welcomed Catalonian filmmaker Albert Serra, known for singular and transgressive films like The Death of Louis XIV and Liberté. An avowed fan of Vogel, Sarah also wrote the foreword for the French edition of Film as a Subversive Art. Sarah's original lecture was followed by a conversation with New York Film Festival Director of Programming, Dennis Lim, and is published here for the first time. We hope you enjoy the lecture. And don't miss our previous podcast, a roundtable discussion on the extraordinary life and work of Amos Vogel, featuring programmers and writers Richard Pena, Tom Vabel, and Edo Choi. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming to this lecture. Thank you for inviting me, of course. For me, it's a, a great honor to be here. As you said, I am a great fan of Amos Vogel's work in general. Obviously, film as a subversive art is the main work, but I've been following all, some other articles from the beginning, from the uh, in, in other places. And uh, well, I am a, a devoted uh, reader of uh, of his writing. But I will talk, you know, today as a with from my experience as a reader, but also as a filmmaker. I think that it's important that if I am here, you know, I, I try to describe why this was such a great influence for me and why what we can find in this book is uh, from my point of view of a creative artist or, you know, <laughs> or a pseudo creative artist, uh, what for me it's really important. First of all, I have to say that I was in my career, I was influenced. Uh, the main thing is that it, he's a writer, and this is a book. So for me, it was very uh, the main influence I had in uh, at the beginning of my career were writers about filmmaking, not filmmakers themselves. You know, I was a cinephile, and I follow uh, you know almost all you can follow here. But um, I don't know. It was not enough inspiration for me to see the film of other people, to decide myself to create my own work. In fact, was the writing about film what pushed me to be a filmmaker, what is a paradox. And it's simple, I, I explained it several times, because I wanted to be writer too. Not writer about filmmaker, but fiction, feature, fi uh, writer about uh, fiction. But, you know, I was too lazy, blah, blah, blah. So the, the, the pushing side of these writers, you know, the exigence out of, you know, the, the self-exigence and the, you know, the discipline and the precision on the intellectual effort pushed me to do something that apparently it should be as serious as what the writers were doing, but a little bit more fun and a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more... Uh, how to say, uh, yeah, fun. This is a little bit more playful. We can put it this way. But, the, the, you know, and it was specifically this book of Vogel that influenced me in a, in a strange way. 
because, as I said, I came from uh, very specific roots. You know, I wasn't, a, as a young artist, I was an admirer of, I don't know, the avant-garde of the 20th century, typical thing. I was an admirer of all more or less subversive artists from the 19th century, from, you know, Romanticism on Rambo and blah, blah, blah. You know, all these really, really, you know, shocking artists that were reivindicated by surrealists. And, you know, I thought that this had a dignity. And these, uh, these artists were, you know, were, when I was uh, obviously young, it was this already 21st century, and at the end of uh, 20th century, the, these, all these artists of the historical avant-garde of the beginning of 20th century had this status of myths. You know, they were really mythical people, you know. Also, some people from the 60s that were following this tradition, for me, as a young artist, were mythical. And for me, it was the only thing that counts. So for this reason, I wanted to be an artist. Uh, or I wanted to be a writer. Because, you know, I don't know, the charm, the, uh, the glamorous side of these people uh, uh, was, I don't know, unmatchable, uh, we can put it this way, uh, with other forms of art. This was literature and art, a specific art. But, you know, nothing else. For me, cinema was like, uh, I don't know, uh, was, was vulgar, was a popular art. And I was very popular in my, you know, in my, I don't know, in my way of living. And I really like always to be surrounded by, you know, popular events. But, and I am very interested in popular culture too. But I don't know. It didn't move me at that moment. I don't know why. So what Bogel, uh, Bogel did with this book, it's to give a patina of dignity to filmmaking. Because... The, the, the dignity of surrealists or the beginning or all the artists of the beginning of the 20th century was obvious. They were myths as already, as I said. At some of the 60s people, they were already myths. So was not, you know, there was the, the value of the fetish, that it's very pure. You know, they create an object and, okay, it doesn't matter how many times you see it, uh, it will always have some magic. You, there is nothing that can spoil it. It's the, the magic of art, of the simple fetish, of the simple objects that you create your magic in your mind. But, you know, moving image was more difficult because moving image was always, you know, surrounded by plot, by characters, by this vulgarity that, uh, you know, uh, prevents purity to get in, you know, this, this form of art. So, and of course, I was influenced. I don't know, I like Ford, but I didn't like the films of Ford. I like the, the ambience, uh, you know, be, the ambience that I, my intuition told me that was there. Or, I don't know, I like Mizoguchi. Yes, I like Mizoguchi, but just because there were some prostitutes or, you know, for strange reasons. You know, my cinephilia attachment of these figures was never for the canonic reasons that people make love, you know? Uh, in part because it's quite, uh, as I said, quite vulgar somehow, some of the films, uh, and in part because there was a humanist, uh, humanistic approach that, uh, I don't know, I didn't like very much, and that was not so present in the, in the art history of the 20th century because it was more pure, it was objects, it was, you know, it has the aura of the fetiche. You know, the fetishist aura of something that you cannot spoil. 
But uh, Vogel showed me with this book that, you know, there were some forms of moving image that could have the same aura, and at the same time, they were more complex. So this is, was a great discovery. You know, how you could achieve this, this dignity and at the same time, you know, deal with the vulgarity of having to mix with narrative, having to deal with people. This is actors, real people that have to perform something. You know, how to deal, you know, with subjects, normal subjects, how to integrate in a system of production that it's the bourgeois system of production, how, of how films are made nowadays and, you know, also in the 60s but uh, uh, maybe more in the 60s, this we can discuss later. But, you know, how to mix, you know, this extreme purity that for him was inside these films with this context of creation, of chaotic creation, usually, that, uh, you know, could tend easily to, 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 to go to vulgarity, to go to, you know, easygoing, you know, absurd plot uh, focus films. So for me, this was a, 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 a very important discovery. And this complexity comes from a simple, simple element that is moving image, as is, is in the title, it's moving. You know? So it's not just a frame. It's not, and it's not an object. It doesn't stay, you know, it doesn't remain you know, fixed. It's moving, and your perception also is moving with the moving uh, of this image. So, you know, and, and in this uh, fluidity, in this uh, movement, uh, surrealists also, and some other people could see, and also with the, uh, the, the dreaming sight of the, of, the dark, of the dark room with the screen, there was some fluidity that could move, or that all Haydn, or all, that this latency, that was the guarantee of the purity of the objects of art, could also spread in a strange way, but in a real way too, and in a more effective way, maybe. This is the, the idea that in this latency of the, the, of the unknown, of the magic or whatever, you know, that it's moving uh, from one place to another, and that, I don't know, that it's changing your perception, and uh, I don't know, the... the the irrational part is mixing with the rational part, the non-logic part is missing with the logic part of the narrative, but, you know, without having time to analyze it, without having time to fix it, without having time to, to, to put a value in it, because it's non-stable. So for me, you know, this idea of, of that with moving image, you know, the, the spontaneity, when you, when you, the, in the act of creation, of creating moving image, because of this chaos I described before, spontaneity, paradoxically, was, uh, was easiest to, to put inside. You know, in a, I don't know, a painter that is doing a fixed image and a sculpture, everything is designed in man before, even if you pretend that you are there uh, doing action painting. You know, it's much less chaotic than if you are surrounded by I don't know how many people with I don't know how many economical problems or financial problems with tensions, with the pressure of all kinds, you know, with real people. You know that the most difficult thing of filmmaking is dealing with real people, you know, human beings. This is always in companies, you know, you ask to the owners of companies, what is the most difficult thing to deal with people? You know, it's obvious. Imagine actors with their ego. 
you know, these egocentric people that it's very, you know, it's much more difficult to deal with these people than, you know, okay, we are doing, you know, I don't want to dismiss the idea. But for me, you know, this, this book discovered me this possibility that all these that we tend to vulgarity, in fact, no, could have the same class and the same glamour, to put it in a, in, in, you know, in a little bit ridiculous terms, than the, all this art of the beginning of 20th century of these artists that uh, we all uh, admire. And this is a discovery because of the irrational part, of course. You know, all this reivindication of, of the films that, um, that uh, the Amos Vogel is talking, it's because there is a, I don't know, it's, they are dealing with subjects that are very contemporary and they are dealing with, uh, it's the title, no? film as a subversive art, is they are dealing with all the, how to say, maybe repression, uh, uh, the, about the repression, the inside repression, and uh, also about the oppression, you know, the external oppression. You know, maybe there is a, for me, there was only another book that could match the influence it had on me, and I think at the level of quality, it's not exactly the same, you know, importance, but for me, it's very, very important. Maybe it's the second most important book about filmmaking from my point of view, that it's the Robin Booth uh, film of horror movies. You know, so it's a compilation of a lot of articles. Uh, but what happened with this book? That it's very important and in fact, it, the, it's dealing with the same subject that uh, the Amos Vogel book. That the material, the, the point of departure that are the horror movie films, it has no, for me, for me, and I think objectively, it had no interest. And it was really part of this vulgar popular art in even a worse sense than the normal popular cinema of Hollywood or the normal, you know, cinema that was in our mind, you know, the classical uh, cinema. Uh, and maybe these films, and this is a, an important remark also made by Robin Booth uh, himself, uh, maybe most of these films were not interesting in themselves or were not disturbing uh, in, uh, in themselves, but they were disturbing uh, because of what they had to tell us about our society, you know, and also about the, the hidden part of this society that it's, or so we can say, repressed or oppressed, you know. And obviously the, 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 the link to Freud of this, because of this repression part that is unconscious, blah, 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 and also the oppressive part that it's conscious and it's <laughs> exercised by, you know, simple institutions or simple and clear forces we can identify. You know, it's also very common with all the subject of the Amos Vogel uh, book, and we can talk later maybe in the Q&A of, uh, uh, of these aspects, no? But uh, I think that the, the, the Robin Boot mention it's very important because uh, for you, for the one in New York, uh, also somebody that was in New York. So for the ones who are interested in uh, in this subject, I think it's a very important and a little bit unknown uh, book. Of course, you know the idea that in the repression there is the I don't know the the sexual energy or the creativity or I don't know the the bisexuality, the idea of sexuality of children, you know, all these taboos that are later mentioned in the Amos Vogel book. Uh, I think that this is, a, uh, this is something uh, very remarkable that we all know that we can find 
in a very clear way in all horror movies, you know, although these patterns of uh, having, you know, being scared of the other, the idea of the, the other, the monster, you know, that, uh, that interferes the normality, the, you know, the normality of our bourgeois, you know, heterosexual uh, way of living, that it was scrapped from the inside because of repression and also with forces that, you know, tend to, you know, hide uh, this uh, uh, repression. And, you know, so there were a lot of uh, uh, films that, uh, with, the, with the, that Bogle, you know, point that uh, they, they, he, he thought that they were interesting at this level and the way they deal with these problems in the form could, uh, could, I don't know, could match or could have the dignity of the, of the artworks that were already very praised at that time on the 60s and 70s, very, you know, the level of money, you know, very well uh, paid and with the, these, the, 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 with the, 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 the glamour, you know, of a successful thing. Then, okay, you see, for example, films from the 60s, we, have to, we can start from films about performance or film made by artists themselves, like Warhol, Otto Muell, or you know, a lot of artists that were not filmmakers that, but made some films, and that dealt with the medium of moving image, and they did it in a specific way. They did it in a very, you know, in, in a very personal way, without thinking a lot about the formal aspects of the media, but with the with the purity and with the aggressivity of artists. And they create some uh, interesting films where, you know, the traces of this primitive approach, of this idea that because of the technology of that time, and this, this is another discussion we can open, that uh, at that time, the traces of how you were dealing with these you know, with these subjects, also with trying to make a, create a destructive form, but it's a paradox, but, you know, I think it works to understand what I am talking about. Uh, this could work. And paradoxically, most of these, if we watch nowadays most of these films, they work because we see the traces of this impotence or of this impossibility. Because they try to make something like a feature, if you see Warhol films, you know, of the second period. Uh, you know, it, you know, if you see Chelsea Gals or Flash or Treasure, you know, Paul Morrissey films, uh, they, they try to deal with narrative, they try to deal with characters, they try to deal with all we hate, or video artists also hate, or what's uh, not important for him, or was, a, as I said, as a corrupt, as a corrupt uh, element that, uh, you know, remind this, uh, you know, this, this closed society that came from the all the you know, forms of art of the 19th century, and they were not dealing, they didn't want to have a form that you know, contained these elements. So they tried to destroy it somehow. Uh, Warhol, with something that I really you know, studied in his films and influenced me a lot, that is with working with actors, the way he worked with actors, you know, with this total mix of the person, the actor, and the character, you know? And with the traces visible, you know, with the traces of this chaos visible. Usually, feature films try to hide the person, try to hide the actor, you know, the vanity of the actor. And the, but with Warhol, this is visible. And paradoxically, the tracers, these traces were 
what gave the purity or the, I don't know, the, the, you know, the sensual aspect that make it art and not a feature boring film. You know, a classic of feature film coming from cinephilia. He was not interested in filmmaking. He was interested in cinema as a popular art, how to reach the mass, how to make money, no? But, uh, I don't know, these traces nowadays, for us, they are very important. What happens, and I said that I will open this, uh, with digital technology, you can do the same. You can be as subversive as Warhol at this level of working with actors, but, but you can hide the traces of your work. So apparently, you know, so the latency and the purity and the ambiguity, especially the, the ambiguous and ambivalent element of what you are really doing, if an art film that should be uh, as a subversive art film in the, in, the, in the book of Vogel because it's destroying some kind of form, or no, you are apparently doing a feature film, but that from the inside is destroying everything, but it's not visible. And there is no traces. I don't know, for example, the big gun film, you know, Long Journey Through the Night. You know, it's the perfect example of, uh, of or the film, for example, I really love. Uh, we have this year a film by Gaspar Noé, but the film Climax, you know, uh, are some films uh, that are destroying, you know, and are really, you know, using elements that are very, very difficult to use nowadays in filmmaking, if not because of these great filmmakers doing it, but in the, in the inside an industry and blah, blah, blah. Liberté, my own film, modestly, you know? How do you do this, you know? How you, and what is destroying this film? Apparently it's a, it's a normal feature. And there is no traces of this subversive aspect. Where, where are these subversive aspects in this film? Because digital technology allow us to you know, make it in a such a sophisticated way that we can have both in the same film. We can hide the vulgar part of feature films we don't like, still being there, but we don't want to be part of the fetish world of the art, you know, of the art glamour. We are just in a, in a middle point that it's very difficult to assess, very difficult to describe, very difficult to, to, to make a critical judgment you know, even a static critical judgment of it, because everything is hidden. So, okay, it's not so easy, but it's, the, it's what allows uh, us, uh, the contemporary filmmaking, and especially the contemporary technology, digital technology, when it's used, you know, in this sense, or when it's used under the influence of Vogel uh, 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 subversive canon, you know, in several aspects. And now I, I will get in in some of these aspects that are very well detailed in the book, but maybe just to put some connections with modernity, modernity of nowadays, or, more, uh, of, or connections with my practice uh, methodology as a filmmaker. So I think that uh, uh, this is a, a, very, a very interesting subject, uh, because you don't have any, you have fall and you don't have anything at the same time, you know? Because most of the filmmakers are not, uh, are not well regarded by the art institution, by museums, because they think, ah, oh, no, this is feature films. This is narrative, this is actors, this is plot, this is TV series for them, or this is, you know, classical cinema. Uh, but it's not at all, and it's much more complex. In, the, in fact, that the art they are showing, it's much more pure, and it's more, more fetishist somehow, 
but you don't touch it, you don't see it, you feel it. If you are very intelligent or if you follow the evolution of some of the filmmakers, you know, you can really grasp it, but not never fully. And this was, you know, the main, the main idea inside Bogle book, that the artist is somebody, or the poet artist, it's somebody that, you know, can feel some magic, can show some magic, can really sense something that nobody else can do, can sense, you know, the, the idea, and put a meaning on it, maybe, even if it's non-understandable, you know, the idea of sense for later. But nobody, even not himself, can fully grasp it because it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's too complex, even for him. No, so this is a, uh, we, we really reach this point nowadays. I mentioned one film or two films that uh, go uh, inside this, but uh, we can mention a lot of, you know, other filmmakers coming from China, for example. It was one of the obsessions of Vogel. I don't remember where, I don't know, maybe it's not in this book. In Film as a Super maybe it's another article. But sometimes he's wondering why China has, doesn't give us, you know, the, the great subversive filmmakers. You know, it did, maybe this was the 1990s or 2000. I don't remember where it comes in this question. But nowadays we know with digital, you know, we know we had one being, we had Zhao Liang, we had, you know, how many subversive, more or less subversive Chinese filmmakers. A lot, you know, and all very interesting. So it was thanks to digital media that could, we could escape to somewhere else. Censorship was at the beginning one of the main problems uh, that the book of Bogle uh, is dealing with, but also the way to do it practically, and even in non-conventional societies, you know, if you see, I don't know, Ulrich Seidel films, some of them, you know, uh, how do you, how do, how does he do it? I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, and it's something that it's very contemporary, and it's something that it's paid by all, you know, all public institutions you can imagine in Europe, you know, several countries, several cultures. So, you know, there is a, a lot of examples that will put, you know, the, the, we could, uh, you know, do a new edition of the Bogle book and put uh, interesting uh, uh, new examples. But let's go back now to the idea, what is a subversive art? This was the, you know, the, the main issue. You know, was, I was talking with this idea of social illness, we are in 20th century, all our notions, Vogel himself talks about all discoveries of science that, you know, in the 20th century that destroyed our perception of how the world uh, should be, obviously on philosophy, on, on language, philosophy of language, you know, a lot of things that make our political issues, First World War, Second World War, you know, Vietnam, uh, uh, Hiroshima, for him, it was a very important event, and he's talking a lot. Uh, and from an ideological point of view, you know, it's very interesting because he was Jew and he left Austria when Hitler, you know, uh, the Anschluss with the family. But he never put, you know, a special, a special remark on the uh, on this, uh, you know, tragic event. Or he put it at the same level. For him, Hiroshima was as tragic as, you know, and if we analyze in a cold way nowadays. Of course, what is the fire? How do you want to put the you know, nuclear bomb killing? I don't know how thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in seconds or I don't know. But, you know, in a city that was populated by, you know, women, children and retired people mostly, you know. So, you see, well, I don't know. You know, it's somehow of 
it's disturbing too, you know. So, and obviously, it's the, the idea of Vietnam that was at that time very, you know, for them, Vietnam was, was a reminder of something that goes wrong, was really go wrong and put equivalent in, uh, in a lot of conflicts all around the world. So, there is an illness, you know, there is a social illness, and obviously, the subversive artist, you know, has to go. It's the one that points this or goes against this or, you know, open consciousness of people. You know, right? Of course, to do it, it needs personal freedom. <laughs> and this is the paradox. <laughs> Constantly describe one time and another in a, in a various ways because it's very, you know, entertaining and funny to read the book of how all these artists had to deal with this conflict between personal freedom and, you know, this will of uh, open consciousness of of the of the conflicts of the era, but obviously you know uh, uh, it's difficult because that, at that time was the beginning where the criticism was in, already integrated. We were at the time of Marcus, and imagine nowadays, you know, at the time of Facebook, Instagram, you don't know, you know, you don't know anything anymore. You know, you don't know where you are, you don't know who you are. You don't know ideologically who is who and why, and you know it's totally confusing. So, but at that time the criticism was already integrated. Uh, then maybe on the Q and A we'll talk about how to be a subversive artist nowadays, if it's possible or not. This will be a funny, a funny uh, conversation. But you know, it's obvious that it has got more complex nowadays. All these, all these problems. But at that time, you know, the, the, the idea that you could reach and you could open this, the, this, the consciousness of people, the, the, you know, to, to make them be aware of some of the, this illness, some of this oppression or repression that were, you know, really imposing, you know, a vision of the world or a vision of what your life should be, you know, this normality that... Uh, horror films try to, you know, make a suspicion over it and try to broke. You know, this uh, this was very, you know, this was the main the main thing. Of course, Bogel, uh, um, uh, it's not uh, an inno it's uh, he used innocence to analyze some things, but he's not enough innocent to understand that you can broke this with you know proper tools. You know, art maybe it's not. Uh, you know, an effective tool to really cut or broke. Maybe open conscious, but not to really change the world or change things. So this is another interesting um, dialectics inside the book that uh, appears uh, one time and another. And uh, at the end, there is one obvious, you know, uh, obvious element, obvious question for him that it's the, the problem of form. You know, we need another tool to change the world, maybe. We can open some consciousness, but how to do it without being integrated inside the system? Because as I said, you know, system starts to integrate criticism and likes, you know, the criticism appear to say that it's a reasonable, you know, system. So how to deal with it? And Vogel, in a visionary way, uh, nobody else, you know, does it with the same freedom of spirit and freedom of mind at that time, at least on filmmaker and at least, you know, coming with some kind of political roots. 
because he's analyzing images. And images are being ambiguous by definition. So, you know, it's very critical, the exercise that he's doing. It's very, it's very dangerous, in fact. And the, one of the most interesting chapters is the one about Nazis, Nazis, Nazi poetry. No, because he was Jew, he was, you know, he was, uh, uh, you know, he had to leave Austria. So, uh, you know, and there all the paradox of what is an image, what is a documentary, you know, um, I remember the, 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 the description of the triumph of the will, you know, how he tries to, well, reading Mein Kampf, Mein Kampf, blah, 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 but then he tries to, you know, really, because he, and it is an important text, people don't remind, that he wrote in the 50s about what is a documentary. You know, and there is the key points. It's in the book of, you know, the, the Vienna Institution made about all the compilation of his writings, or not all, but most of them, separate writings. So he's analyzing what is a documentary, 1950s. I don't remember which year. But okay, then, with, uh, confronted with this idea of what is a documentary with the triumph of the will, he starts to, he wonders, what's this? I mean, and okay, he was a malicious person because he, he found a, an interview with uh, Lenny Riefenstahl in the 30s when he says that the mise-en everything was prepared for the mise scene of the film. In fact, you know, he had million extras, he had everything, and everything was placed for the cameras, for the film. You know, that as if he was doing a documentary, but millions of extras, you know, what should be a paradox in all minds, uh, were disposed or were no direct somehow to make a documentary and okay then he found an interview after the war and he's uh, where she said uh, Lenny Refistel says no everything was spontaneous and the fucking film cost me years of prison you know and uh, denying or you know forgetting you know what he said in an interview during the Nazi regime in the 30s 30 I don't know you know before 40s uh, of how the film was really done. So with the took the uh, and this is the favorite uh, subject of Bogel. You know we have these two interviews. Let's analyze the film. Let's see the images of the film. How this was done. You know, especially a documentary. This was one of my theories of of always. You know, I don't like documentaries in general. And I said I only like documentaries if I don't know how it was done. How is it possible that these people should this thing? You know, if I don't know, even as a filmmaker, how do they make it? How do they convince the people? How do they hide the cameras or not? Or how do they deal with these? How do they, if they pay them or not to do these disturbing things or to show this disturbing reality, how they were capable of materialistically <laughs> doing it? it? For me, it's not a, a documentary. You know, it's something else. You know, it's a boring thing that should be written in a book but not, you know, showing images. But in this case, you know, with these two interviews, Bogle, I think it's quoting somebody else, tries to, to, to understand the film. And in fact, he says, the film is a, it's a mirror. It's a, it's a clash of mirrors. That, uh, um, the film is a portrait of uh, reality. You know, it was all these fanatics at that time. You know, it's the state of mind of Germany at that moment. So it's a, a real, truthful documentary. But then, you know, everything is prepared for the cameras because he trusts the first interview of Lenny Riestenstahl and the intuition says, 
that the, the, the weight's placed, you know, the night shots. You need a lot of light to put them, you know, you need to really prepare the things in a proper way. A lot of shots he described, you know, of Hitler himself. Uh, he's always alone, blah, blah, blah. Of course, it was a, you know, a, a way of Hitler also, you know, represent himself in public. And it was also without cameras. The strategy was similar, probably. But still, there were some things that were really, really prepared. And to prepare, you know, these huge elements, it's, uh, you, need, you need time and you need effort and you need to prepare it in a very concrete way in the sense that uh, it was prepared for the film. And it says, well, it's a portrait of a reality of, the, of that time, of that real people that it's there, real fanatics, but with a mission ascent that it looks will go for propaganda, but it doesn't stop here. At the end, you get something that it's a really true documentary of, of that event. You know, so here we we start to have you know this the, the idea of a disturbing mechanisms of form. In this case, it's simple. It's uh, how a documentary is done, or how these images tend to tell us something, or from which layer you know they are. When we are thinking, this is very fascinating for me. You know, I have shot a lot of films with a lot of hours of rushes and with a lot of cows also, and with a lot of heterogeneous material, and it's very difficult to say from which layer or from which level that the, the images are talking to you. What is the predominant you know, element? You know, it's very, very difficult, even with you know, months of editing, to really you know, be inside. And of course, because it's moving image, much more complex, and when you combine, combine with edit, it's much more complex. It changes the meanings and the feelings and the sensations and the atmosphere of all the previous images you, you try to fix to use, and then suddenly what you saw, it disappears, and you don't know how to find it again. Because simply, I don't know, you know, in the process of editing, I don't know. This is, uh, we can discuss it in a more concrete way. But he understood, you know, with this example of documentary, that the most subversive way to open consciousness, maybe not change them, uh, is with form. He always said, the, subversive, the subversion of form you know, uh, uh, cannot be uh, distributed to a lot of people. It's a minor, you know, to the happy few. You know, massive audience will never go to, to, to attend uh, and to, to watch films that are, you know, with some kind of subversive form, destructive form, you know, ununderstandable element of the form. But they affect more. You know, the people that goes there really gets out more affected by it. And it's form, but it should be also a paradox. Because as a form, you will say, ah, oh, it's an aesthetic object. It goes back to his idea of art. Even it's filmmaking, there is no object at the end. But as an experience, okay, it's like video art. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that it's on the, on the your retina. Maybe it's on the surface of the screen. Maybe it's on the collision, no? This was another beautiful term when he was describing edit. He said, uh, uh, you know, the, the subversive form of edit is when images are put together by collision, not by simply joining them. You know, so there was another uh, interesting concept. But, you know, people are really affected by it. He was affected. I was affected, I said, because of the prestige. It gives prestige to images. Gives, uh, I don't know, something you cannot find anywhere else. 
You're listening to the Film Comment podcast. Sign up today for the Film Comment Letter. It's a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors. The letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com. The idea that you know this this uh, this uh, subversive form could deal with several actors. I said, for example, the idea, this idea of community, the idea of the camera, if the camera should move or not, and why, you know, what is the what is the 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 main idea of the camera moving? He says something very interesting. He said at the beginning, you know, camera moving was a revolution because it put out of theater of just shooting theater, you know, with moving image. And you know the moving camera was something lively, and it became again lively with the with the Nubelbach and with the camera on the street, blah blah blah. But then he said, "Oh, there was some other people that said, no, you know, moving ca- moving the camera, it's bullshit. This is for you know feature films. This is horrible, like surrealist. You know, Dali said you should put a camera uh, on the floor with nails and fix it and never move it. You know, like the magic, it's it, what is in front, it's this latency of what will happen in front of the camera, the mise en scene, you know? And we are not talking about, uh, you know, a, a theatrical mise en scene, but that really the subversive part, it doesn't come from, you know, a rhetoric mise en scene that for them was more closer to the 19th century narrative, even if it was used, you know, in a, way, in a very sophisticated way by the Hollywood of the 40s or the 30s or the 50s, but it was, you know, so, and then, okay, the 60s, a lot of, you know, experimental filmmakers, the camera fix, again, you no, know, Warhol, you know, that said, no, no, camera moving, what a boring thing, you know? So, again, you know, an element can be subversive depending on the context, and, you know, how do you deal with it, and who is doing, and for what and especially and this is one of the 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 most incredible talent of uh, of Bogle in the writing is how this affects you as a viewer you know and he's not talking intellectually he's talking you know how this mise en scène how these images how this you know the form of these things you know affects your body affects you know in a very textualist approach that it comes from really the 60s and he was always faithful to it. We can say our sensations, but directly our body. You know, how do you react physically, but extremely in a physically way, even not in a psychological way, that it's another obviously important aspect, especially on the political level of the of the whole book. But you know that he doesn't reject, he, he keeps always the the power of how the, the film, the images affect your body. So then okay, you know it's with this subversion of form, how you feel affected. Uh, okay, narration, you know, or the use of the camera itself. It's uh, another important aspect. Narration, you know, the Zig Abertov reivindication, uh, what is, uh, you know, obviously uh, quite clear. Uh, that the idea, he put it always with nice words, that the, um, that the, the, at the level of the narrative, you should work on the detection of a plot not on the invention of a plot. <laughs> of course, you know, you put two images together, you put even a person or an actor or a character, you will read something there. There will be a plot always, you know? And trust the, 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 you know, the, the power of this plot, you know, Ziga Bertov kicks it, 
uh, it's another, you know, interesting uh, idea. Uh, I don't know, the camera, you know. For me, this was an obsession. We can also see it in different, from different angles, and all of them can be subversive at some point. The idea that at Zigabert of the camera is the eye, the camera, you know, it's what is really projecting, but, you know, in a super, you know, in a total identification, what is not the case of normal cinema, that there is always a projection with the camera of what the filmmaker wants to do, how he wants to show the world, what he wants to represent, what he wants to see in front of the camera. So there is a normal identification, but in the case of Ziga Bertov should be total. But also there is the opposite side, that, that we are working, most some filmmakers of the digital, that the camera with digital technology on the, on the recording, but also on the digital, with the te digital technology of the edit, can see things that the human eye is not able to see. Impossible. Totally impossible without this tool. I will be shooting something that even if I am, you know, extremely concentrated, I will not be able to see what the camera can record in an easier way because the qualities of the camera are different from the qualities of the human eye. So this is, you know, an absolute conviction for me since the very beginning. I decided to I have only shoot it with filmmaker with digital technology and edit with digital technology. So this is uh, this is and I will finish. This is, you know, something. Uh, a very important what creates this idea of the perception of uh, of uh, the perception the detection of a plot what creates a natural dramaturgy and what the French critic said about about my films that said it's films based not in the dramaturgy of action but based on the dramaturgy of a presence you know so a natural presence in front of the camera uh, create this dramaturgy so you know as you see uh, the, 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 the ways, um, you know, the form, it's subverted, you know, the form can be really subversive uh, for Bogle was, uh, was uh, you know, the, the essential element to really create subversive art in moving image. You know, because for him, uh, filmmaking was, was this, was an act, was not an invention, was not a creative, this idea, the filmmaker behind the camera, you know, projecting, I don't know which uh, idiocy plots coming from, I don't know which, you know, story or whatever. Well, it was an act in itself. And with this idea that the filmmaking is an act and not an invention, you know, life gets closer. Was well, was one of his dreams, dangerous dream, you know, because total art, we all know what it can be. But it has a clear subversive power. Of course, because it affects all institutions uh, and yourself, you know, in a, in a very radical way, you know, because you cannot be out of it. So I think that, um, and we have studied this uh, 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 a lot, and this will start to, you know, and maybe with this idea I, I finish, because it's a very interesting idea that it's, uh, in Bogle it's very important, that is the, the, the politics of images, no? and the, especially from left wing, from left, uh, leftism at that time. No? Because you know, if we cross with life, if with you know, filmmaking it's an act, and it's not an invention, and then it's very, very close to life, you know, uh, how to create a subversive form of art? You know? uh, what it will be really subversive? Or how this subversive aspect can be reintegrated, 
you know, uh, uh, into the normality or into the bourgeois capitalistic, you know, conventional uh, way of living. The, this was, uh, and we are in 2021, so we have seen a lot of changes in the last 20 years also, you know, much more than the ones described here. But he also, as a visionary, started to have the intuition that sometimes, and we can talk now, you know, some kind of politics of left can be translated in an unconscious way in a right-wing art, in a right-wing films at the level of form, but it's quite paradoxically. And on the, uh, the opposite also can happen, that, you know, some films coming from our, our uh, right-wing context that should be, you know, unfair, arbitrary, you know, fascist, whatever, uh, could deal or could uh, lead us towards a form that is, you know, subversive, that it's so crazy and so radical uh, in its, on its unfairness that led us to a subversive form of art at the formal level. So where is, uh, you know, and here starts the ambiguity that, you know, has pointed all these questions until nowadays on the Trump era and, uh, you know, with this, uh, all these images also at the level of fiction, as I described before with the film of Began and with a lot of films we can talk nowadays. So I think that the, the relevance uh, of the film of Vogel is clear. I am very happy to be the first one to, because it was a personal interest from a long time ago and it was something that I really care about. And okay, it's a good initiative. It's a very New York, uh, you know, person. And I think it's a New York, you know, treasure, what you have here, and especially in the Lincoln Center, no? Uh, so, well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, enjoy the program of the Vogel selection. And okay, we can open it to the audience on question and to Dennis. Thank you. Maybe it was too long. I don't know. Thanks, Albert. That was great. We have, I think, 25 minutes in the theater. Uh, so I want to just, um, I have some follow-up questions for you, and then I want to get the audience in on this because I know there are people in the audience who know your work, who know the book well, um, who know Vogel's work. So uh, we want to hear from them as well. Um, I, I feel like you threw out a lot of ideas, but um, one that kept um, resonating with me was this idea of, that subversion isn't a fixed and static concept, obviously. Um, and getting at the idea of what subversion might mean today was something that you, you touched on several times. So I'm wondering if we can maybe st start with that question and, and, and flesh out some of the things, um, some of the things you touched on. For, it seemed to me that you thought that digital media played a big part in, in this. It's essential because without this technology, uh, for me, you cannot, uh, you know, because, uh, well, subversion, subversion, it always by definition go against what is done mm -hmm. before, you know, and Bogle himself, you know, says this in the book. So it's for the reason that, you know, subversion can take all kinds of forms. But of course, nowadays we have this tool that is a very interesting tool. And um, this tool has show us what 
he had in mind what some people of the Nubelbach had in mind, all the possibilities of the media, but especially, you know, that the ambiguity of the images were, in fact, bigger than we thought. You know, that dealing with images and the digital era, especially with digital edit, that is something that really people do not realize of the potential, and it's very few people, uh, the principles are clear, you know, and uh, you know, uh, how films are edited and uh, the logic of edit. But, you know, on the subtle elements, uh, especially nowadays when we deal with narration and with this idea of detection of plot or, you know, of the, of the characters, uh, and things that are obvious with literature, you know, for example, one of the books all the, all the time that he quotes in the, in the book is uh, the Alain Rogrillet, you know, Pour un nouveau roman, mm -hmm. Alain Nouveau Roman, you know. For, uh, so where are the principles of the destruction of what is a novel mm -hmm. at all levels? So uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a modest way, digital has allowed us to do the same thing that writers were doing at the beginning of the century, but especially... Uh, from the 50s or 60s, because you hide the traces. So it, it becomes a clean film, a pure, clean, that you really don't know. If you read a Rob Grillet... Is, is, that a, is that a subversive tendency? Sorry? Is that a subversive tendency for you? Like I you think it's the only one possible because, uh, well, this will be a long discussion, because on the political level, I don't think, you know, the integration of criticism goes so far nowadays that I think it's impossible mm -hmm. to, to deal with it because it will be integrated anyhow, anyway, anywhere, uh, unless uh, outlaw people, you know, to, they are dealing with image, some documentary people in China, for example, mm -hmm. or with extremely, uh, extremely fascist uh, regimes. But in normal countries, I mean, it's very difficult to create criticism uh, you know, uh, I don't know. We have writers who did it and did it well, and they were successful, and somehow they were integrated. But still, I don't know. Hulebeck, for example, or Elfriede mm -hmm. Jelinek, or you know, some writers who still do you know very strong criticism and more or less are still integrated inside the system. But they all deal not Hulebeck because Hulek well is doing it in a hidden way. But they had to deal with the industry. They had to deal with the industry of publishing books. They had to deal with the media. They live in a normal world. You are not an isolated man or really a fighter that fights alone. Well, you fight more alone than ever mm -hmm. because aesthetically you are more alone than ever, uh, than ever because this is the paradox. The forms of subversion are almost, and it's the lesson of the, the Google book, that are individual. You know, he, he really you know, is fond of every filmmaker for different reasons, you know, even if the book is an ensemble of subversion and there are chapters of, you know, but you feel that he is really in love with every one of them because of personal reasons right. and personal ways that these films affected him very different. But uh, nowadays you are more isolated in the sense that the, the subtlety of what you do for example, linked with nonsense, if it's another important subject, or uh, linked with gratuity, or linked, you know, or linked linked with the poetry of the narration. Mm -hmm. It's uh, you have nice examples always in film festivals, but I don't know. It's very, very to the happy few nowadays. Yeah. No, I like to understand how important this is. No, we it exists more or less. We all know because these films are shown in film festivals are not hidden at home. Because, uh, but uh, how important they are, this is another, how, how the formal break 
you know, or the formal subversive part of it are so important. This is, you know, I put the perfect example. I think the big gun film, Long Journey Through mm -hmm. the Night, it's uh, because, you know, and the social uh, outcome of this film is very interesting because it was done with famous actors in mm -hmm. China, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. It was also a popular success. Yeah, yeah. well, popular success because the first two days. Because of a misleading marketing yeah. campaign. Yeah, no, it was because leading marketing. Which is subverse, which is yeah, very, very subversive, subversive for but, but, 20. But the story is more interesting because he made, I don't know, millions and millions of tickets. I don't know, eight million or I don't know, a million or dollars or whatever. Uh, the first one day or two days or first weekend, but then in two days, yeah. three days, nobody went. Because on the social net, everybody said, what is this bullshit? You don't understand anything. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. It's totally absurd. But it's a normal film. It's a romantic story. Apparently, it's a normal film. You know? With all that, with a super famous actors. And, it's, and, and you don't see anything wrong. That is an evidence in the film. Even for normal audience. Well, you see that everything is too subtle. You know, simply. That is even too subtle for the super smart people. So I don't know. It's it, these are isolated, uh, that uh, isolated, uh, subversive acts that are done by chance. Not the aesthetical content of the film, the formal content. But I mean, to to be part of a subversive uh, uh, life yourself or to be part of a subversive movement or consciously to pretend to be part of something that goes against the values. This is what I don't see how to do it. Because I think that, first of all, you lose innocence and innocence is the most important thing we have done, done nowadays because uh, all the tools are so sophisticated that if you don't keep your innocence alive, these sophisticated tools of digital editor, of digital complexity will kill you. I mean, will, you know, beat you and will destroy you because you will... You will, so you have to keep the innocence alive. But, uh, but before, the innocence was naturally alive because the tools were primitive and the traces were there. And the traces were the, how to, how to say, the, 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 the guarantee the of the primitivism and of, of the purity. You know, but without this, that the tool is not, it's not it's sophisticated, then what do you have? So how do you keep the innocence alive? I don't know, you have to, this is another paradox, I think that Liberté shows it a little bit, it's the same paradox, we discuss it here, I think with the same, yeah. more or less. The idea that li uh, libertinage, you know, the idea of libertinage in Marquis de Sad Nobles, or in, even in my film, a little bit in the plot, a little bit in the images, is the idea that you have to force libertinage. But it's a paradox in our mind, because libertinage is about freedom, it's about that you deal with it in a spontaneous way. But they say, no, no, there is a program behind. You have, we will push you, we will force you, we will oblige you to be a libertine. So it's the same idea with innocence, you know? Innocent, it looks like that, okay, you have to be innocent because you don't know things or because you, just, you are just a stupid or an ignorant or because, but you don't think that you can be innocent pushing yourself on innocence making a lot of pressure on yourself to keeping the innocence alive. And you do it with putting pressure and with destructive elements. Only the, with destruction, you can keep the innocence alive. What it's a little bit what we see in some of the films of the 60s, Otto Muell, mm. and you know, that it was the, you know, they were. The, when you have, for example, when you have all the free love experience, you can only go further, further and further to keep the innocence alive. And is the Marquis de Sade 
uh, teaching. Yeah. Because only farther and farther, it's not that you became more, more criminal or more, it's the opposite. You want to be more innocent. Mm -hmm. So you have to go further. So this is subtle in, in, in dealing with form nowadays of uh, with the moving image, but I think it's important. I don't know, you have to, when you feel that you are in a safe ter territory, at the level of form, doesn't matter if at the level of edit, camera, whatever, eh, all the elements, you have to destroy it. And then, okay, it's risky because, uh, but it's, uh, for, for this reason, a lot of the films in Amos Vogelbub are non-perfect, imperfect, mm -hmm. imperfuls of imperfections. And a lot of, obviously, subversive films nowadays, it's full of non-satisfying feelings <laughs> at the level of experience as a, a spectator. It's totally unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. And the perfect example is the Began film. Or also Climax, for example, it's a film that uh, it's a remarkable film from my point of view because it didn't satisfy the classical fans of Gaspar Noé because it found it, it was, you know, a little bit too abstract, a film about sex and drugs, but without sex and drugs, you know, it was disappointing for them. Mm -hmm. But at the same level, me, it was an exception. But some cinephiles didn't like it because he said, what is this, you know, it's too abstract, ah, we don't, you know, it's, ah, we don't like it. So you are in this unknown territory that makes it difficult. You concluded on this note about the, the politics of form and you, you were talking about these sort of like confused films, you know, that have like, are maybe left wing in, in, in sentiment, but right wing in form and vice versa. And I'm wondering if you had any examples in mind. Uh, well, uh, you know, this is uh, typical. We can say, we can put, do you know any right-wing film in film festival or in conventional, you know, film festival, even, you know, Benis, Cannes, Locarno? Do you know, do you know any filmmaker that praised himself of making a right-wing right -wing film or coming from a right-wing ambience or defending right-wing aesthetic values? No. Apparently, all of them come from the left wing. But then the films, you know, at the level of, you know, uh, accommodation of, you know, the points of view of normality, of normal values. Of course, they all pretend that they touch something a little bit more disturbing. But in general, the price to pay maybe, I don't know. I don't know what is the guarantee nowadays. It's very difficult to say. Mm -hmm. Because what is the guarantee of the subversive aspect exists? It's too subtle. I, mean, I don't know. It's like we arrive at a point that it's like contemporary art. You know, it's impossible to make a critical judgment. What is good, what is not, what is respectable, what is... I don't know. It's very difficult. In general, I found everything, you know, quite uh, right-wing at the level of form. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I don't know. But it's not a problem, for example, one of the interesting films of, of uh, comments on the Vogel uh, book, it's when he talks about Death um, in Venice, the Visconti film. Mm -hmm. He likes the Visconti films in general, but it was surprising that this film, that when you see it, you know, I saw the film a long time ago, I saw it twice, and I didn't like it very much. Then I read the, well, I read, I remind, or I read it again, the book, the, the Vogel comment, and it, I saw it in a different way, because I don't know. He sees that the latency is there, and even if I don't know, it looks like that it's a right-wing form or it's a classical film that is, uh, you know, a hidden latency. 
Of course, it's the latency that we all know it exists because I don't know, Visconti was gay, blah, 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 and it's this myth. But still, you know, the way he describes it makes it more obvious. And then I saw it again and I said, well, it's true. In this manierism, ridiculous manierism, it could, could say the same of Almodovar films. You know, in this ridiculous manierism, in some of them more than in others, but maybe there is uh, something, uh, you know, disturbing. But uh, you have always doubts. You are never sure. Uh, I am sure of some examples that are more arty. I don't know. There is some, uh, uh, for example, the, the, the Pitch and Pong film who won the Palm d'Or, Uncle Boomy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's full of subversive elements. You know, very interesting, and it's obvious. For me, they were too little and too separated. Maybe they were not integrated to, in a perfect way in a one single concept of subversion. Mm -hmm. But okay, it was full, and it was full of interesting subversive elements, and it was a mainstream, well, not mainstream, but... Uh, so it, there is examples, but uh, I don't know. It's very arty, what's going on. What do you think is your most subversive film? What? What do you think is your most subversive film? Maybe Liberté, because it was 2018. Uh, a story of my dad, it's subversive because it's, you know, an aesthetic landmark in a very formal level. But Liberté, you know, it deals with something uh, difficult nowadays, and I have a lot of examples. Even I finish, a, uh, I shoot a film recently, and, you know, in three years, the world has changed mm -hmm. regarding the subject of nudity. And so imagine, in Bogel, in Bogel time, era was changes were happening slow. What was, uh, you could have a little bit more orientation because we're happening as, a, as a, 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 a social movement, you know, accompanying a social movement, it was a little bit slow. Of, there were clash and there were, you know, moments of right. significant moments. But it was, uh, nowadays everything is arbitrary, totally arbitrary. Nobody knows, you know, where, where we are. And it happens very fast. So, I don't know. Uh, and in three years, these three years of, uh, you know, shooting previous film with nudity, and uh, a lot of things changed, no? And it was a friend of mine who told me, look, you can go to Cannes, you can go to Venice, go to Berlin, watch the films where there is a, 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 a woman that is nude, you know, showing it's nude, and all these films are made by women. You know, it's very difficult to find one single example in recent years, two last years, or one last year, where there is women naked in a film made by a man. So this is a, a total sign. And from a sociological point of view, I am not interested at all with this. But what, what should interest Bogle for this? What is the difference of the form? You, you didn't know? see the Paul Verhoeven film, I guess. <laughs> Maybe Paul Verhoeven. Okay. But I mean, you know, yeah. it's an exception. No, I haven't seen it. But it's an exception, and coming from the past, from an old filmmaker who did it already mm -hmm. several times in an old-fashioned way, you know? So it's, it doesn't say nothing against the... It's not my theory. It was, it was somebody that is a programmer who told me this. So, and I said, oh, maybe, you know, or, well, maybe because in the past there were more male filmmakers and almost all films were done by male filmmakers and now a lot of films are done by women. Obviously, statistically, there is a reason too. But there is something. Outrageous, you know, something very uh, subversive in the 
the, the, this, uh, this, uh, uh, this idea of describing nudity, you know, as an act of power of the filmmaker, of obliging, obliging, you know, I mean, it's not the war, but, you know, obliging is, uh, you know, uh, pushing, you know, the actors of using nudity, and especially, you know, in a context that could be arbitrary. Because when you deal with nudity, all people say, ah, all actors, everybody will say, ah, it has to be justified. If not, it's justified by the plot. You know? If not, what you are doing? No? We are doing what, uh, you know, what uh, Amos Volga describes in his book, subversive acts, acts of subversion, of filming, uh, you know, of, of, <laughs> of filmmaking subversion. Because if it's integrated in the plot, you know, this is, this is you know, boring. Right. So, but, you know, the question arises very often nowadays. You know, when you deal with actors, you say, no, well, but it has to be justified. Well, it's arbitrary things that, you know, make it subversive. And in the last film, you know, I was confronted with this problem uh, in this film that I shoot. Presently, it's not. I have oh, the one you just finished yeah. shooting. I haven't started the edit, so I don't know what the film will be. Maybe it will be horrible. I don't know. But um, you know, this idea of there is moments, and it's about also a, a politician. It's a film about the politician. So also moments of, and it's the idea. I think it's a very interesting idea that we have to describe evil, but I don't know. Evil, Evil wins, Evil is there, you know, and I, of course I don't like Evil, but I don't know, I am as a portrait in fiction, because this is another interesting thing. The, the people nowadays, it's the, the utopia, but in the, in the opposite way. People nowadays make confusion between reality and fiction. You know, you see all this politically correct movement, movement where you say, oh, this work of art, you cannot show it because, well, I don't know what happens there in that film or in that, I said, well, but it's a fiction, <laughs> you know, or in that novel, better, the editor will say, better not to describe this act of violence that it's based on an unfair situation. Okay, but it's a fiction, you know. He said, it's a fiction, it's not real, uh, you know, it's an eternal problem. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's trying to say something else. This is there, or maybe not, or maybe, you know, it's a subversifier that it's just there to provoke you something, to provoke you something that it's totally wrong. <laughs> but, you know, you have to feel this wrong. The, the author wants you to feel this wrong. So this, this climate that you're describing, is it one in which subversion is more difficult or more necessary, or both? I think it's literally this kind of frontal subversion it's impossible mm -hmm. nowadays because it's uh, I don't know it's uh, you need a lot of courage and probably uh, there is no I don't know you you have to deal with yourself first yeah. you know uh, the self censorship it's more it's it's there and it's so mixed with this, that frontal subversion. But indirect subversion, precisely linked more deeply with form, it's perfectly valid. And it's, you know, the heritage of Vogel, it's good. 
It's, and it's very important because of this. Because in an indirect way, even more high than in the form, it can work. And it can affect really people, and also it can provoke acts of subversion in reality. This, uh, this film of Began, you know, the result of this film as a production itself. So, but at the political level, I don't know. You know, this confusion between reality and fiction has made it very difficult to make. Because for, 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 for people on the politically correct, everything is in a statement. You know, so no, this is not an statement. This is a fiction. This is a, I don't know, a form of narrative moving in front of you. That's all. Okay, uh, deal with it as you want, but you are free, of course, as a viewer, of deal with it in your, you know, ideological prejudice. But it's not. It's good also to, as Bogle did always, go to see the film and see what happens to your body and to your sensations. Not only intellectually, you know, thinking that there is some meanings there that are important to you and blah, 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 that are attacking you. It just, okay. And, and fairness, it's another element we have to deal with, you know, and the idea that we are now putting, you know, white things on the fiction and then, you know, the world is more unfair now than, you know, 50 years ago, so. Let's take a question or two, perhaps. Do you think subversive films have to be an, uh, anti-fascist? I don't know. Uh, they have to be... <laughs> the politics are complex, you know, nowadays, you know, because in the past there were Marx, Freud, as we said, you know, the elements were clear. Who was the enemy? Nowadays, of course, the enemy, it's not so clear. And especially... Uh, linked with the static freedom, it's uh, almost uh, is even less clear. So from which angle attack this? Of course, we are talking maybe with, about something different, provocation. Mm. That it's an interesting element inside the subversive aspect of films and maybe a necessary element somehow. Uh, here we see that mm, most of the films share uh, inside the subversive aspect, the provocative aspect, but not all, you know? Some that deal with the form, you know, deal in a, in a little bit separate way. But of course, if somebody thinks that provocation is necessary, uh, there are ways of provocation that are more obvious than others. And uh, maybe, yes, some uh, extreme uh, ideology can always, you know, but yeah. then uh, again, you know, we, we had Donald Trump that was more subversive in his comments that uh, you can say, you know, you can do with a lot of uh, films or images or what you can ever think. You know, so then the game, the form, it's what makes it, you know, long lasting and that makes it really challenging and serious and of course, aesthetically relevant but also politically relevant. The paradox, I leave it in a very, and just to understand this, eh? uh, because the context is very important. When I went and started, there was a law with, I think it was with Hollande in, uh, in France, that said that, okay, we have to put the salaries of these you know, workers up, no? 
Mm. And everybody agrees because it's a left-wing, uh, you know, politics that it's good that the people that it's working in the show business or in the film industry receive more money, more guarantees, more whatever. Yeah. Okay, everybody agrees. What happened? The result, the productions, more the more fragile productions, <laughs> were not able to be done because the salaries were too high, and to have the salaries high, you need more finance, and to get more finance, you need the TVs, and to need to get the TVs, you need to make a conventional film. Mm -hmm. So, a politic from left-wing, coming from left-wing, you know, had, as a consequence, a right-wing form, in general, you know, of the films that were done, because all the conventional system at the level of production, you know, mm -hmm. so this is the paradox. And okay, sometimes what, uh, what I said, you know, strange or crazy countries or crazy moments of history create uh, subversive forms of art. I'm sorry to have to cut, cut us short, but I'm getting uh, the sign that we have to get this theater ready for our next screening. But maybe people want to continue the conversation outside if you are happy to you know, and chat with people. We also have books for, and, uh, for sale. Um, out, uh, Buy it because... It's always out of print, and if you try to buy it on yeah. Amazon, it's very expensive. So um, I want to thank you all for coming. And Albert, really, this is a pleasure, and uh, you've left us with a, a lot to think about. Thank you for kicking off this. The, the thank you very much. I hope lecture. the tradition will go on. Okay. Thank you so much. The Film Comment Podcast features original music by Greg Einge. Film Comment is a publication of film at Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has been the home of independent film journalism, publishing in-depth interviews, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, arthouse, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com.